This is The President's Neck is Missing. Your quasi-intellectual guide through today's modern world with host Rurik Yakel and special guest Neo Guevara. Warning, language, content, listen at your own risk. Here now is Rurik Yakel. <laughs> uh, hey, happy Saturday, everybody. I am Rurik Yakel of The President's Neck is Missing. This is Be Kind. Please rewind. Um, tonight's uh, episode is about the four-part docuseries Night Stalker. Um, with me and joining my Saturday is uh, Neil Guevara, um, the, serial ki- uh, the serial killer aficionado. Is that is that fair? Or are you just a, or just lose the aficionado? Well, I mean, I was more of a serial killer aficionado in the '80s. Big fan of Corn Pops, Captain Crunch. Uh, I oh, I killed some cereals in my time. Like, I'm a fruity pebbles guy. Cereal water is the best. The best. Yes, I love, I, cereal, cereal milk. Cereal milk water. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, milk it's water. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, are you putting? Are you putting water in your cereal? I have to. Well, I was poor. I can't afford milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I drank milk. <laughs> so, sometimes when we had nothing, I would just use my dad's scotch. I mean. <laughs> oh, man. I just yeah, increased increase the value of this uh, Fruity Pebbles by $40. <laughs> well, yeah. But, hey, let me tell you something. Those the, the Blue Ribbon Johnny Walker, that's a painful bottle when you use it all on cereal. It's thick, <laughs> right. it's thick glass. You, uh, I, I know that uh, deep down you do have a. Strong propensity for uh, serial killer uh, shows, documentaries, morbidly a, a obsessed, true, true, true crime, absolutely. Um, so before we begin, and before we start talking about that, I, I wanted to quickly address. Um, I watched an interesting um, serial killer movie last night um, that just that got released. Um, it's uh, The Little Things with Denzel Washington, uh, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. Um, I don't know if you uh, had a chance to check out that uh, that trailer. No, but you have completely piqued my interest. So the the basic story is as uh, Denzel Washington is uh, a, a sheriff um, or a deputy um, from another town that gets kind of dragged into um, a crime that's happening in uh, California um, with Rami Malek, the new detective there, and it takes place in the nineteen nineties. And uh, they basically have a person that's been going around for uh, several years um, abducting women and killing them. And if anybody gets a chance to check out the little things, I I urge you that um, in terms of, I guess, serial killer movies, and I think of things like Seven, um, The Zodiac, it's not quite at that level. Um, So what I can say is that... Is it better than The Bone Collector? It, it is better than the bone collector. Okay, thank fuck. Um, I think the reason why this movie works and, and it, why there's large parts of it, uh, there, there is some kind of formulaic um, uh, cliches going on. It's very cop procedural. We've seen this kind of stuff before in most serial killer movies. And so there, it's not really invigorating any some new, new life or depth into it. I think where I would say it's better um, or heightened a little bit better than some of the a, a basic yarn is because you have three great actors from Denzel Washington, Rami Malek and uh, Jared Leto that allow them to build their own characters as these actors are, are very proficient, obviously, and in, in creating that, 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 that uh, the actors that they're trying to portray. Is Leto, is Leto the bad guy? 
Uh, actually, I uh, won't reveal that. It, is it's that a, you know a spoiler what? alert? It, it's okay, it's a spoiler. Okay. Well, the, the reason is is because. Um, they, you know, they, they I, don't let they don't let you know who the killer is throughout the thing. Is that what's going on? It's a mystery to the audience. It is. It, it's a mystery, okay. and okay. It, it's really not about who the killer is. Oh, okay. So if if that if that appeals to anybody, I, like I said, I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. Um, I'll say this: it's easy to think that Leto's the killer. Um, I, 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 I don't want to. I'll, I'll spoil this one thing. It's not one of those stupid movies where, um, and I think of movies like Striking Distance when you know it's this com- completely preposterous idea um, that you know it was his cousin all along and it was all tied to the this family thing. Um, you're not gonna like it's not. You think it's Jared Leto and it turns out the co- it was the it was you know Rami Malek all along. He's been he's a cop and he's been doing this for years. It's none of that bullshit. Okay. okay. <laughs> Like I, which I I can't stand those types of movies. No, it's been done to death. It, it's, it has, it's, and and they, and they never do it well anyway. No, it's a defeated <laughs> concept, and through all the time, through all of the attempts, you're never satisfied with it. It's always lackluster. It it takes a it takes what you think which is perceivable, perceivably during, throughout the course of the film, a decent movie, and then at the end, it just shits all over it, and you're like, oh fuck, right? Like, do you, like do you, we do deserve you better striking? than that. Do you remember Striking Distance? Oh God, with, absolutely. With Bruce Willis, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I remember the I remember the, at the start of the movie. There was that it's, big, uh, the big car car chase scene, and I watched that again uh, probably about uh, five months ago. And watching that again, thinking that there's no way that one particular you know Reliant K automobile went through all of that damage. They ended up jumping two vehicles off a cliff. They rolled and shit like this. And that's how they set up the premise. That's how they like they kind of set up that you a know Ford tempo it, would have been way more believable, right? But it, you know they you know that's when Bruce Willis wakes up from the accident. And he notices his dad's been shot, and you know he lost his dad, and then he he's a washed up, disgraced uh, um, cop that ends up being part of the the no, water. It's, it's a hard watch. <laughs> right. Like like now it, it didn't age well. Um, he did that in Color of Night around the same time, and that's yeah. also just a fucking tough, brutal watch nowadays. It's like. You look at this actor who now takes himself so seriously, even though he's gone back to these types of exact movies currently. Like, you don't see him in anything great anymore, and you haven't for a long time. But it's like, um, you know, those movies now, they're pretty stale, and they're a tough watch. And also, like, yeah, Reliant K is not going to take that abuse. Again, a Ford <laughs> Tempo is going to take way more abuse than that. Those things, like, I still had friends driving those up until, like, 2009. Like those are that's always, a reliable automobile, and I also like that in the because in the movies all the cops are driving driving these like basically these Chevy Impalas and stuff like that because they were from a studio standpoint they're the, like cheap car to destroy, so you can run the you know the gears through these you know cheap cars and you know you can run them like have do ramps and and shit like that. And oh yeah, Crown, right. Crown Vicks and old mobiles just right written off left right and center right. This right. is how it goes. Right. But yeah, th- those are the, those are difficult uh, difficult films. So yeah, w- the little things is what it's called. Yeah, little things. I, I it just it, again just released into into theaters and uh, streaming on HBO Max, I believe. So a- anybody that's uh, interested in. Um, at least something new in 2021. Um, I, I think we're all. I think the the movie uh, studios are a little dried up right now uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, I, I appreciate any new movie that uh, that comes out that was that was made for the theaters. I mean, I can always tell when for one's sure. when one was a straight re- straight release for you know um, you know like de- uh, movies on demand, and then there's always the ones that you know were released for the theaters. So. 
it's yeah nice. no and it's yeah. it's it's great to find a nice little find during such a tumultuous period and a dry I actually spell. I'll be honest I think you were the one that sent me the trailer for this um this was about a month and a half ago maybe um th- and it, it th- like the trailer didn't really set up the premise of what it was like completely all about um I, I just I do think it was you but uh, I I completely forgot about it until I was uh streaming last night and I, and I ran across it so um yeah that's awesome yeah no I, I don't remember things from yesterday I have too many concussions <laughs> who are you what what am I doing here? Yeah, what am I doing here um so let me so uh, we want to talk about uh the Netflix um four-part uh, docuseries uh that um we re- released uh this year uh called Night Soccer this is based on the uh, story of obviously uh, Richard Ramirez, uh, known as the Night Stalker, that terrorized um, the San Francisco and uh, larger California area back in '84, '85. Um, the Greater Los Angeles area. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's we, I mean, to specifics, uh, but yeah. So I mean, he, I mean, he did move around throughout California, um, and yeah, focused around the, I guess the the, the metro LA area um so yeah it was basically like two counties through right. um like the entire like la county would would be what they uh right what salerno says in the in the program so um so right before we we talk about this i i, I am interested in um three three and uh i want your three favorite um i guess serial killer or crime films around the same genre um at the end of this night stalker uh um, discussion. Um, so, uh, if you, uh, I want you to think about it and, uh, let me know. Cause I, uh, I mean, I, just, I definitely, just any, any films that, uh, well, yeah, like, like we, about uh, real, real actual serial killers. No, just, uh, just, just anything in general. Like if okay. you, if, if, like, I mean, you know, we, we were just making fun of striking distance and that was about a serial killer. Um, seven obviously is, uh, one of those, but we'll, we'll get into all that. What? So, okay. um, Richard okay, Ramirez, man. obviously. Okay, man. Okay. Man. Uh, um, so, uh, first episode or, or the, or all four, uh, what did you, what did you think of, uh, of the Night Stalker, uh, series? Um, overall really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot grittier than I had anticipated it to be, um, which is nice. Um, let's, let's be honest. These, these events are atrocious and the idea of doing something like this, which is basically like a, an expose, um, is to capture, the amount of terror and fear that this one person had instilled, you know, throughout an entire state, you know, um, and when when you're like, I, I guess that gets pulled a lot of times through through documentaries, and I, and I get it; it's probably for respect of you know families and victims and you know thing, things of that nature. Um, but at the same time, I feel when you're trying to show people the type of brutality because. <clears throat> there, there's a lot of times um, where these these murderers are glorified, you know, serial killer trading cards, serial killer T-shirts, um, you know, it just it becomes novelty and fandom, and we lose we lose sight of the and horrific nature. And there is a and there's a large, um, I guess, subculture of people that that yeah that have it's, these it's fandom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all to, all to the point of people that and women, and not just in this Richard Ramirez case, but literally uh fall in love with these types of people and and you know send send love letters or get married or do all sorts of stuff from charles manson and onwards of lots of the uh, marriage requests um from people that 
are very obviously mentally unstable. Um, and no, I mean, no reasonable person wants to marry a serial killer. <laughs> so, but no, yeah, anyway, so go ahead. Um, so did you find, uh, this is what I enjoyed, is the, and much to capture what you were saying, is, you know, a large part of these, of these times, um, these movies kind of um, brush over. And, they, you know, they, I get it. We don't want to sensationalize the, the, the crime, but... I also think there's a statute of limitations on that. Uh, you know, this happens in the 80s, and um, I, I personally thought the show did really well when they actually show you the crime scenes. They actually show you the methods and how he was killing people and, and, and how he did it, like where he hid and what he was doing. I think that's all very riveting. I, like, I, I like this stuff um, personally. Um, it's, it's a morbid sense of curiosity, uh, which I think is totally healthy. I, um, well, I guess... To, to answer truthfully did I like them um, I am a morbid person so I've always kind of had a, a gore fascination so um, obviously crime scene photos um, are interesting to me um, you know and, and that's removing uh, you know the event of, of what precipitated that and that's that's removing the you know the atrocious and heinous nature of the crime and, and the impact on families and victims it's just looking at it from um, literally just a scene kind of perspective and standpoint and then being um, curious about the psychopathy and, and the mentality that's involved um, in a person that has the desire and urge to go and create that scene. Um, I think it's important again because there's people out there who think this shit is cool. There's people out there who think serial killers are fucking cool and, and um, have this fascination with them not because um, they're interested in human psychology and what drives them, you know, the motivations behind those acts, but they think it's fucking cool, the atrocities right. themselves. So I think that the crime scene photographs help to bring the reality back and the impact that it has on people in, in the society that, you know, in which these events take place. So yes, and I appreciated and, them. I appreciated them. Right. And, and I, I agree. I mean, there's, I mean, obviously I, and I, I'm, a, I'm assuming obviously when we're talking about it, um, you know, when I say we're, we're we enjoy it um, in the, in the level of um, anyone, I guess that, uh, that wants to understand or um, dive into this type of, uh, criminal behavior and and mental obviously uh behavior um we that, that's where we find it interesting um yeah we're not uh you know we're, yeah we're, we're, we're not, not excited. advocating the right the, the uh, acts here but what um in terms of uh the story of of richard ramirez and uh and i guess the the terror he did for a year in california what um what was anything that resonated with you the most about about this particular um, now, and I just want to preface before I, I, I let you off the leash because I know, I know that Neil, you're a very um, uh, um, passionate um, uh, crime aficionado. So um, I definitely definitely want to get most of your insight on this. But out of Richard Ramirez um, in the night in the eighties, uh, this occurred. Do you think um, you found this? It, it, fascinating and you were drawn to it because it, it was an era in which you and I both like we lived it um, much like you know uh, Ted Bundy considered um, I mean the serial killers um, of our I guess our uh, of our cultures of our generation um, you know they, they come in waves uh, particularly but is that is that do you think that's where you find a fascination in this or is there something more for you um, it's a bit more than that. Um, and, and the reason for it is, I mean, obviously, the, you know, it's 
we're talking about the 80s and that's kind of a, a prominent name when you're thinking about infamy um you know and popularity at the time i mean there's you see a bunch of windows still barred up all over los angeles that prior to his spree weren't i mean even in rough areas you didn't see the amount of bars on windows so when you see that even when you you see it in you know ghettos and in socio economically impoverished areas it's not just because there was burglaries all the time people were in a panic in the 80s because of him and and that's why they got those bars and they're still in existence today um so for me what was fascinating about him um there was the satanic aspect um, which was a unique um, thing. No one had ever proclaimed to, you know, be a satanic murderer as far as, a, you know, a serial killer that had gained this much notoriety in American culture. Um, you know, he's a very quotable serial killer. In fact, his interviews were pre-written. Um, there's one interview oh, in particular. Yeah, so um, throughout the docuseries, you, they play little audio clips and then they write, they have the subtitles come up on screen. Um, of things that he's saying, like, I was in alliance with the evil that is inherent in human beings at the time. I was walking death. All those things were, he was answering questions that were being, well, he, he actually wasn't answering questions. He was deflecting questions that were being asked to him, and instead he was spouting off this rhetoric that he had pre-written that he right. brought from his cell. Um, so his interviews um, only, you know, they didn't, ever unearth the actual you know psychology of the man and who he was as any type of person you only got to see his role as ramirez the the murderer that's what he was steeped in and and the other fascination aside from the satanic aspect was his his he didn't discriminate there, there wasn't any discrimination in his crimes he was it was whatever everyone was food to this guy um right and, and that's yeah. particularly frightening Right. And it's and and, and definitely uh, makes it obviously uh, more complex to apprehend because you know there's no uh, you know uh, mo right. There's, well, the they, mo they, is so sporadic that how do you associate one crime to the next, right? Right. Until right. you get a guy like Gil Carrillo coming in, going, "Hey, man, like I I have a strong suspicion, intuition, cop, police hunch that." these incidences that are taking you know just blocks within each other in small time frames i think it's the same guy and everyone's sure. laughing at him because they're like no there's no documented history of someone having an mo that's not a definitive mo right like right killers have this this moto, modus operandi in which they stick within typically but i mean after ramirez we started to be able to uncover that there's lots of killers that had wide-ranging almost indiscriminate mo's as far as how they killed who they killed you know tools and methods etc well i think it's also interesting as to um i think that's why i i personally appreciate the the show uh, uh mine hunters uh that david fitch great series uh um, sorry it, great series rather. yeah right it's the uh that um hbo show about the i guess the birth of um you know part of the fbi the unit that uh, just uh, that um solves serial killers uh, and i i mean um i think that's probably one of the reasons why i think that show does work so well cuz it is about this kind of um seemingly ragtag group of individuals both all with different ideologies and backgrounds that come together to try to figure out the <laughs> the inner workings of people that have these behaviors inside them it's it's, it's great so um that just on the um, mind hunters is, is fascinating i wish that show would come back on um but 
do you think um it, like when i was when i was a kid i mean i i i remember watching and this was would have been roughly just a couple of years after they apprehended ramirez i mean there was a the first show i remember it was the um uh manhunt uh and the uh, search for the night stalker and it was it made for tv movie and i was a kid when i watched this and you know it had um you know, the, the soap the TV soap actor, uh, A. Martinez, was uh, Lieutenant Gil Carrillo. Um, and I still remember watching uh, that movie. And it's. Yeah, that, that came out in 87, hey? So it's like yeah, two years after he got caught. Right. So, like, they, they kind of. I mean, and they did a bunch of these manhunt. They were manhunt series that were made for TV movies. And uh, I always found them fascinating as a kid. And it's really the. I mean, that was the closest to. Um, that you can get to these serial killer uh, um, movies and TV shows at the time. So, well, and I, that you was know, the first one. That that was the only. There was no other films that were out at the time about Richard Ramirez. Right. Or any yeah. Of his acts. That was literally the first thing that they did to you know I don't know <laughs> document further it, document his crime. Right. It was amazing also how it resonated with me because as I watched this the the Night Stalker on on Netflix here. Um, by you know the second episode i realized right i remember how they how they actually captured this guy and and i and it always stuck with me as a kid well that's one of the most you know highlighted points about his particular case i think that's another thing that makes it so unique was how he was apprehended that's a that's an anomaly right right well and i I, the best way i can describe it for myself um is i and i there's no better form of what poetic justice looks like. Um, what I like about it, it is poetic because this is a person um, that went around into California and terrorized neighborhoods. And, um, you know, anybody that doesn't know, uh, you know, his basically, you know, his uh, picture um, was put on every national newspaper um, in the in the country, at least in California. And Ramirez is coming back from fucking Arizona at the time. And as he arrives, I mean, he has no idea that he is no... El Paso. I think he was. Yeah, he was, I think you're, back you're, you're probably Paso, right. Because that's right. where he's from. Okay, yeah. And so, so he, was, he was visiting someone down there to get a vehicle, I think it was. Right. And what, what I guess what I love the poetic side of it is, you know, he gets on this bus and people are literally reading the newspaper with front page with him on it. And he literally gets chased down and beaten by the, by the, by the people in the neighborhood. Oh, and they, they were going to kill him. They, for they sure. were definitely going to kill him. And there's nothing, <laughs> there was, there's, that's very poetic that it's almost like it was a neighborhood saying that, you know, you've terrorized us for a year and now that we've unmasked you and we caught you, we're you, not afraid you, of you. We're not afraid of you anymore. I think that's a, I mean, if anyone's going to get caught like that, what, I was like, that was, I thought it was, was great. What was funny though an anecdotal to that from him was his audio clip that they play in the series going is like all these people sticking their tongues out at me and things like that and crowding around the car yet if i had a pistol they'd all scatter and they wouldn't be as tough as they think they are and it's just like you understand that this guy he he he's still a predator like he's he's in a situation where he knows he's fucked but he's still looking at them all like food like if you would have just given me one tool or one opportunity i'd kill all of you like he's he, it's, it's it's insane to think of how he's focused right. on that twenty four seven. Right, and, and, and of course the irony behind that those remarks is, too. You're a is, coward if you need a gun. To be right, 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 right. I mean, look, any anybody with the gun would be would be the guy that you'd be running away from. So totally, um, like, right. like the no. cops. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. Like the people you've been trying to avoid for a year. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. Well, and and he even um, Frank Salerno had said that there was the one um, incident where he ran into the couple's house. He shot the husband in the head. Um, as he was going for his firearm, and then he shot the wife in the head. When he shot the husband in the head, the husband takes it, gets up, and chases him out of the house when Ramirez has still got the firearm. And so right. the cop, Salerno, goes on the paper. He's like, this guy's a fucking coward. He shoots a guy in the head. The guy gets up and chases him while he still has a weapon out of the house. The guy's a coward. I mean, we knew it all along, but now he's just gone and like confirmed he's, you know, he's a fucking coward. And I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. And then what does the news media do? They print Salerno and his details and give out all this personal information. So now he's going back home and his mouth is making the, what he said publicly. Now he's for the first time in his career, he's sleeping with a gun. <laughs> right. so yeah, like, I know. Right. Yeah, and uh, and that's the thing too. Like, I guess you know, back nobody's in- a tough guy. It just goes to show you, nobody's a tough guy. It's situational and it's circumstantial. Right. No one's a tough guy. Well, and I also, you know, it, it kind of highlights also the, um, I guess, what these. I mean, you think about it from a from the police officer or the detective standpoint. I mean, you know, you you don't know if these killers i mean they're they're probably they know they're watching their own uh, spectacle on the news and stuff like that so you know you detectives are putting you know their lives on the line their families lives on the line um you don't know if the killer's like oh i don't mind targeting you i don't know i don't mind following you and your your wife home if and, manhunter and the remake red dragon taught us anything it's that it's exactly what you're speaking to right right yeah right um and and what i found frustrating about all of this in in the docu series now that you mention it it's it's i'm glad that you did um was laurel erickson um the kn knbc news reporter news anchor who calls them and goes oh hey so uh, are you guys going to be talking about the uh, the shoes and the shoe print and the shoe brand? And they're like, what? No. And she's like, well, I'm going to I'm going to release that information. And they're like, no, you're not. You're going to jeopardize the entire you know investigation. Well, I'm going to release it unless you guys give me an interview. She's basically extorting the cops. And at what cost? She's she's right. she's sacrificing lives and further jeopardizing the safety of the community and people you know at large within the community. And she's willing to do that just to get sensationalism through reporting so that she can make more fucking money. The moment they brought her in and the moment that's basically her introduction to this whole involvement in the case, I loathed her. I like, loathed well, I, her, despise her, think she's a complete sack of shit as far as a human being goes. Well, I think that's always that's always been, uh, you know, the the, the line and the, and the blurred lines between you know, police work and, and media, right. You know, media obviously wants to, wants to report and they, and they want to obviously get their story out. Um, and they, you know, they obviously want to inform the public and they, they want to make sure that they also, yeah, they, they, I mean, they're, they want to scoop the, the next guy. So they, they, they're, they are clamoring for information and there is that line, right. That line where, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hinder an investigation. And they, at the same time, um, you also just don't want to lose your story also. So, it, well, but, you know, the, the story's not going to get lost because the bodies are still coming in. I mean, there's always going to be something reported as, as long as the killer's active. It, it, it Literally, I didn't find, like, it was just a greedy, lustful, I want to be the top reporter on this story. I want to be queen bee bitch number one on this story. I'm going to skyrocket my career, and I don't care who gets murdered subsequently and if I have to extort the police and threaten to damage and ruin their case so now that the killer switches his MO, which, right. which ended up happening anyway, 
um, the mayor did it for her, right? Um, so, <laughs> and then, and then you had to have another representative go on and chastise her publicly just to get yeah, the, think- the, the detectives reinvigorated. And not I think, feel so defeated to con- you know continue on with you know fervor with the with the investigation. And I think one of the the sticky points, if 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 I'm correct in what you're saying, I mean, I think it was that they were um, discussing the um, the importance of not releasing the brand of the shoe he was wearing. Absolutely, uh, and and other things that only the killer would know. Of course, right? Yeah, you make yeah. that information public. I mean, you've got all he kinds switches. Of yeah, he switches shoes, right? And now, then now he changes his gun caliber, which he did. He changes ammunition. He changes his shoes. He he switches right. up what he's doing. And now you're also going to have the other thing, which is you're going to have people calling in saying that they did it, and they're going to provide details, you know, that they've already learned in the press, which bombards the phone lines, which police are still going to track down every clue, ties up manpower. It just becomes, you know, it's ex- it just makes a difficult investigation well, it, exponentially more difficult. It, it, right. It, it creates a, a bigger circus than, of the circus that it already is, right? Totally. And, and, and so now you're you're trying to, you know, it's just more more clowns out of the clown car that you're trying to, trying to put back in. Absolutely. So, and, right. And the other thing is, is that, like, at this time, um, like, you when you're doing the reporting of these things, because you're, you're bringing up some good, good points about how, you know, there's a, there is a fine line between investigative journalism and um, ruining investigations. If you, if you want to have, you know, some credibility within the field, you want to be supported by those who actually dole out the information and the facts, you know, I think extorting them is, is a ridiculous way. And it obviously pissed off the officers. They also discovered that the only way they would have got that is a leak in the department. And Salerno's like, Oh, I would have liked to have found out who it was. And he smiles. I would have liked to have thanked him. You know, yeah, he, I would have kicked the ever living shit out of whoever because these guys, they, they breathed this case, man. They lived this thing day abs- and night. Right. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Well, like, how, fucking, how, do, how don't you? Right? Oh, absolutely. how don't you? Like, you know, when you're when. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm not a especially with but. the with the child abductions and rapes involved. I mean, that's going to drive anyone. I mean, he was never convicted of them. And that's simply because they didn't want to put the children through having to testify. Right. Um, but it's it's he, he left the same shoe prints. The M.O.s are completely all the same. Everybody knows he did it. Um, so it's just like when you've got that involvement on top of all the horrific, atrocious acts that you're seeing and the fact that he likes to see them terrified before he kills them, which explains certain how certain crime scenes have unfolded. Um, that's going to make anyone of morality, um, you know, <laughs> thirsty to find this guy. What did um, do you remember the Do you remember the movie uh, TV movie um, with Mark Harmon called uh, Deliberate Stranger? It was he was Ted Bundy. They did a, it was a two part miniseries or a three part miniseries back in the eighties, um, like eighty six. I think it came out. Um, basically, it was just the story of, of Ted Bundy, um, much the same. Way I love that- Married with Children. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, Ted, Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, no, the the Ted Bundy. Um, do do you like again? Those are you know serial killers of I guess our era. Um, I remember as a as a kid, uh, my first introduction I guess to I guess a serial killer outside of maybe things you might have read you know from Jack the Ripper and stuff as a kid. But really, the one that was more like in my era happening and stuff like that is you know the Ted Bundy uh, case. But do you, I don't know if you were you, were you too young for the the Mark Harmon movie that came out. No, I, I remember. I remember it. Um, the like, my parents weren't really big into made-for-TV movies. That was just never really a thing, right. in, like in the household. Uh, my mom was into that stuff. I guess I, I'd say more than more than my dad was. I mean, it was particular things, you know, were of interest. I do remember that one um, as a kid. 
but it wasn't anything that like I watched and then revisited later on in life to have a good scope of, of what it was merely because that's just, you know, made for TV movies always pull punches on things. And I'm more of a fan of, of graphic and right. an accurate, realistic depiction. If we're talking about real things, real events, then let's, let's keep it on that scope. But I, you- I, I do understand, um, you know, obviously I'm familiar with the Ted Bundy case, so pairing that with what I can recollect from the <laughs> the made for TV movie, like it's, I mean, they're for me they're kind of all the same. I mean, right, I, mean I get you. I get you. Do, did you uh, did you ever watch the Zac Efron um, I did. series um, that he did of Ten Buddy? Yes. Um, what what was your take on that? Do you if you can recall how you felt when you watched it? He he did. He I thought his portrayal was really really well done, um, and. I think like th- that that in the uh, the film My Friend Dahmer I think get a bad rap because those movies don't focus on the blood and the guts of of their crimes. Um, you know, My Friend Dahmer is a is a prelude to his serial killing activity. You know, it's it's pre um, murderous Dahmer, and it just kind of depicts his psychology and and how it develops into this these urges that obviously became so so infamous. Um, so the same thing is with uh, with the Bundy film with Efron is this is more about the aftermath. You know, he's been captured. Um, it's more about the court case and his relationships and, and you know, how those are deteriorating and, and, and everything is kind of just falling apart for him as he, you know, waits to be executed. So I like the different angle. I like the perspective. I feel it gives a little bit more of an intimate knowledge on areas that aren't just the atrocious acts that these guys are most known for. So I can appreciate and respect that because, um, you know, at this stage of the game, we're all, we're all aware what these guys have done. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Right. And, yeah. and like for, for me, the, the Efron, the Efron and, and um, even the, my friend Dahmer, like my friend Dahmer being a film, it did it very well, kept it contained. It was neatly packed and it was just kind of what you wanted, you know, nice, nice with a bow. Um, the Efron thing was the same way. What I would like to see how they've done this Night Stalker aspect is for them to do the same same fashion that they did the Night Stalker and look at the Bundy case. Look at, you know, Son of Sam, revisit the, you know, Grim Sleeper, Samuel Little, the Golden State Killer. Because at the same, you know, that's a thing when you're looking at when you're, um, you know, we're talking about Richard Ramirez and in, in the era he's in, you know, he started his spree in 84 um, it ends in 85. Um, at the same time that he's operating and catching all these bodies, you've got the Golden State Killer, who's operating at the, right. at the exact same time. Yeah, you've yeah. got the Grim Sleeper, um, whose who's MO is different, but he's still active, and he's serial murdering at the exact same time. This is all within California. These are all right. just within this one state. Um, and then you've got Samuel Little, who's, who's now being dubbed the most prolific serial killer with a confirmed 60 kills. Um, in a confession of 93 uh, with a, with one of the longest active um, spree spans. So, Crazy, eh? So when you're looking at all of that happening at the same time as the Night Stalker is taking place, and you've got right on the heels of that, you've got Bundy and the Hillside Stranglers. Um, I, what I f- thought was funny in episode one when they're doing the introduction to trying to set the scene of Los Angeles, they talk about it like it was this golden, sunshiny place. They did this clip of this guy going, crime just dropped like a rock. You don't see this guy 
at all. I not that I my recollection throughout the entirety of the rest of the fucking episode. It was right. like it was like they asked him a question, he responded with that answer, but it didn't actually pertain to Los Angeles in the eighties. And because for crime to have dropped like a rock, that's like Los Angeles in the eighties. Let's paint an actual picture. Um, cocaine era, crack era just hits the fucking street. The bloods and the crips are like the most heavy at it with gang warfare and turf possible. This is nineteen eighties Los Angeles, and they're trying to be like, well, crime was straight down. It was a city yeah, they, full of the actual full question of all they, positives with no negatives. The actual question they they posed to them is, uh, can can you describe uh, sunny uh, sunny Cuba? In uh, <laughs> in in uh, two sentences, and then they just edited it. With, oh, it's sunny and gorgeous! It's amazing. Uh, totally, like I yeah, was yeah, like, I got you. They they basically tried to set the tone up of of Los Angeles was cool. Oh, our freeways weren't as congested. Crime dropped like a rock. It had all positives, no negatives, and and then Ramirez came along. It's like no motherfuckers. Ramirez was a part of the cocaine and crack era. That was a driving. His addiction was one of the driving forces, obviously behind his acts. He's yeah, you yeah. Know, I mean these 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 things all all um they all contribute to, to oh, these types of behaviors right oh absolutely yeah aside no, the, from it, his upbringing you know his childhood and all of those pre you know those those prerequisites it seems to be a serial murderer I mean he checks he checks all the boxes right yeah I mean uh, even before the age of six he had numerous near death experiences and severe head trauma um so i mean all all of these things are obviously things against uh why he um you know has these uh poor abusive poor... abusive father um his cousin subje- showing him his cousin the vietnam veteran who was his buddy basically is his you know older brother kind of semi father figure type um showing him pictures of murdered and mutilated women that he'd raped and killed in vietnam vietnamese women that he had you know beheaded and, and did all kinds of horrible things he's right. showing him you know actual developed photographs of these and then um kills his wife in front of him and it was at that point where friends and family and peers are like yeah he became very withdrawn and a very sullen dude after that age of 12 right there in front of him boom witnesses a murder you know? well and he yeah and he, he had epilepsy as a kid and they said he created some severe brain trauma amongst uh i mean obviously with his brain development so the, the you know the guy didn't exactly uh you know get a running start in in this world uh, no you know, definitely I'm, I'm, not, I'm not excusing him but uh yeah i just you know there's always a background uh, um what there's uh, reasons there's reasons they don't just it doesn't just happen for nothing Right. That's what that's what psychology and 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 you know uh, charted history of events tells us, right? Oh, for sure. So, what uh, when you look at I guess Hollywood's depiction of serial killers, uh, fact or fiction? Um, what what are what are some? Give me three movies. I'm not asking you for top like you know they have to be your favorite. Just top off your head that you kind of resonate to when somebody asks you about these killer movies again fact or fiction do you have anything that you particularly like um hi- highly enjoy um that there's certain things that you think are just standout movies compared to how others have depicted these types of crimes um three ones that come to mind real quick right off the dome um obviously seven i, I just fantastically well written cinematography was great um Trent Reznor's uh, soundtrack involvement. I mean, it's just the opening credits, <laughs> the end credits, everything. It, it just, <clears throat> it culminates into this really crazy climax. It's got a, it sets tension, creates mood. Um, 
and 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 it's it set a really good tone for the '90s in the terms of like there was a lot of serial killer movies, uh, fictional um, or somewhat loosely based off of, and this one kind of set the um, out outside of say like say even Silence of the Lambs really set the benchmark to to of these serial killer movies from all sorts of well, you said Bone Collector, Kiss the Girls, yeah, all it these took, it, it took it, it out of a striking a distance realm. that we yeah, right like striking distance which is you it know, annihilated the corniness it made it's right. like you, it, 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 what it did was it made a statement to the rest of Hollywood saying you can make up a story about a serial murder and still have it seem authentic and realistic you can do it in a fashion where it's a plausible story and scenario where you've got realistic policing realistic reactions realistic human responses to things taking place brad pitt's character is completely visceral and that's how i mean the way he portrayed it um when you see his motivations and how he reacts and then how he has to kind of recuperate from being a shoot from the hip kind of guy it's all very understandable and believable so and i'll that, i'll, I'll jump off on that one because i'll give you my my movie just to tie you and you said brad pitt i'll say california um, that was going to be my second one so thank and you that's for okay. not letting me answer yeah, no, no, stealing I, my thunder absolutely I, I i had to get in there well, well um but yeah i mean if we could have both have that on the list um but under, underappreciated and um very often forgotten about um david coveney and um i you know it was a really um interesting performance by brad pitt's um, by one brad of his pitt. best best performances ever um, yeah yeah i i I'm, I'm glad you interrupted me to, to to talk about that i hate you um <laughs> <clears throat> the 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 reason why that film is slept on is because it wasn't a, a big theatrical release. Um, I think at that point in time he was still being way too viewed as a pretty boy actor. He wasn't getting a lot of merit um, for his actual talent. He was just being looked at for his aesthetic. He's coming off of Legends of the Fall and a River Runs Through It and these types of films. So, right. um, you know, right. the quintessential pretty boy good guy uh, dude, right? Romance heartthrob. He's the the real life Fabio, right? He's these long haired roles of you know, interview right. with the vampire and, and this kind of thing. Um, so then this role comes along and he's playing a dirty, greasy, dumb, redneck, hillbilly sack of shit. Mm-hmm. And he does it fantastically well to the point where like I've shown it, you know, to like people, the girls that I know are hanging out, chicks that I've dated and they watch it and they're like, Oh my God, he's so gross. But this is like one of the biggest heartthrobs, you know, in Hollywood right. history. And that just goes to show you the level of his ability to play this character. Um, what? just his mannerisms, his body language. I mean, he's so hickish. It's just, it's fucking brilliant. It's like he went and studied white trash for a very, you know, for like a six month period. Like there's a scene where he's running at a cop, who's uh, using the police cruiser door as cover and they're having a bit of a gunfight. And the way he's running, he's got his knees all up high. He looks like a crazy prospector. Like you can picture him in uh, suspenders going, and as he starts shooting at, as he starts shooting, he's got his tongue out and he just looks like this wild madman. And then when he gets uncovered at the gas station, when he ends up, the, the Duchovny's partner sees him on the video camera for the gas station murder. And they're like, if you see this individual call 911, he sees her freaking out and he just grabs her and he goes, Oh boy, Oh boy, Oh boy. And it's just, he's just, he's so unhinged, but just hickish. Like he's his character, his murderer that he is, isn't a premeditated guy. He's just opportunistic um, he gets angry, his tension rises, he kills, and when he does it, he's having legitimate fucking fun. It's the thrill for him. 
And um, yeah, that's a very overlooked portrayal. It's a very overlooked film. It's incredibly well written. Right. And um, yeah, I slept on cast. You know, it's just. What, it's just what, all what, give me, give me another movie. Uh, that, that... Um, another one that I really am a huge fan of that I feel is also slept on with another great cast is Jennifer Eight. Um, oh right, with uh, Garcia, right? Yeah, Andy Garcia, John Malkovich, uh, Lance Henriksen, Uma Thurman. Um, the Katie, no, uh, the lady from uh, Picket Fences, was that the the wife of Scott um, or Tom Skerritt from Picket Fences? I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, yeah, Kathy. There you go, Baker. Uh, Kathy Baker. Kathy Baker. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a great cast. She's a she's a great actress. She's a tremendous actress. I feel that she's uh, often overlooked. Her ability to play just a real woman <laughs> like in every situation is is pretty is pretty gnarly right so it, so it really lends to this film um like she's she's just a great she's like the quintessential quintessential wife character um you know realistic wife type character family woman right um but the premise is really well done um you're you're in suspense you don't know who the killer is it doesn't really even give you any kind of real illusion to to who the murderer is i mean i suppose if you were you know, super sharp, uh, you know, in the toolbox, you might be able to pick up on it. Um, John Malkovich does obviously a great job in it. Andy Garcia, I think, is amazing in that film. And he has this great ability to play a dude who's actually involved in a case, who really wants to solve it, who can feel he's right on the tip. He's like, all these murders that no one's attributing, he's like, no, these are the same. Like, it's like the real life Gil Carrillo. He knows that these are connected, but no one's wanting to believe it because I think it's just too far-fetched. So, right, yeah, yeah. It's another dark, brooding one. Um, you know, it takes place over the holidays. It's like Thanksgiving and through Christmas. It's got, like, the seasonal change. Uma Thurman's a blind woman. Um, blind women are being found murdered, and um, he's tying it all together across the state over a period of time, and he feels that she's targeted. They end up kind of, you know, developing a relationship. Um, it was just, I just thought it was really, really cool. And right. it's, it's like with the tone of it, the, like with the darkness and, 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 and the moodiness to it, it was, uh, it was different film film for its era. The only other one I could think of that was that dark, but very lesser quality was in dreams with, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And, uh, Annette Benning. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, it was, I, I just, it was another one of those serial killers where it's a made-up story, it's a made-up premise, but it was done with a level of authenticity that made you go, "Okay, this is you know fairly believable." Including Andy Garcia, you know, being ending ending up becoming the prime suspect, which was a great little plot twist. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we go, uh, let me ask you this: um, What did what what's your overall uh, opinion of uh, the movie Natural Born Killers, uh, which is? Basically, a, cele- a celebration of the, I guess, the fandoms of of the people that have strong um, uh, followings, or gatherings, and groups um, of serial killers. What, what did you think, Quentin Tarantino, Oliver Stone? Um, it was great. I, I like that film for a lot of reasons. It's a great social satire. Um, it, it it totally shows you how the media exploits things and sensationalizes things. Um, character portrayals were amazing. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> fucking like that. The whole prison as like he brings so much to that to that movie. Um, he's the comic relief and he's also the heart. Um, he's the you know he's the character with the soul that you kind of you if you you look at him as originally as soulless, but then come the end of the film, 
um, you you start to get him and why <laughs> like it's just it has so many different areas um, that I liked it, but I do think it does an accurate depiction of how the American media takes serial killers and and makes them into these almost idols to to for people to worship the the fact that you have yeah i mean obviously people who are going to marry a, a serial killer like the fact that that doreen um lyle or what what's her name leol the fact that she married the dude and then like this is funny okay so like, she writes like mar- married uh richard ramirez richard ramirez yeah right. so like the fact that like Okay, so he's been convicted. He's got 43 convictions, um, all these attacks and everything like that. Um, horrendous, brutal crime scene. She starts writing him. He proposes to her three years later. They get engaged. Uh, I believe it's like eight years after that. She leaves him in 2009 when DNA connects him to what they now attribute to be his first known murder, although he's um, admitted to two others and a, 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 a suspected and a whole bunch more. Um, she left him because DNA attributed him to murdering a nine-year-old Chinese-American girl, raping and murdering her. And she was like, no, I can't tolerate that. That's too much. It's like, what? So now you get a moral compass into who you're going to fucking life partner with? The, the, you know, the four, the 13 murders that he was convicted of prior and the numerous rapes. Yeah, including yeah, one well, of the rapes being an eight-year-old right. boy right. who sodomized in front of his fucking mother. Um, like, well, obviously, just, yeah, obviously she's not right in the head. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, but that's, I think that's a, a part of the poisoning that the media does. It, it conjures this up in these people who, you know, have these issues and it creates this desire within, within them to reach out to these folks who they know that they're most likely going to get a response from. It feeds itself. The whole thing just feeds itself. So I think natural born killers did a really good job at how you can be a complete, utter, fucking sack of filth shit urchin that doesn't deserve to breathe the same air as the rest of us and people will fucking love you for it <laughs> um <coughs> Trump. Make, yeah, yeah 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 um well make sure uh, everybody check us out on spotify and soundcloud uh neo uh thanks very much for this saturday edition of be kind please rewind uh great talking to you as always um thanks for all thanks for your insight um i know this is uh, a passion of, of yours and i enjoyed listening um so i'll you'll see you guys next week thanks very much this has been the president's neck is missing your quasi intellectual guide through today's modern world Catch these idiots once again in our next episode.